I think sometimes as we get older, we get comfortable. We get comfortable because we feel like we have accomplished enough in life. Whether it be in a physical life, whether it be in a spiritual life, we feel like we have done enough to earn favor from people. George Foreman, one of the top boxers of all time. Now, I know we have young people in here, and they would not know George Foreman for boxing. They would only know George Foreman for his grill. But George Foreman was a boxer. You may remember George Foreman and remember the great fight, Rumble in the Jungle. The fight between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, where Ali would knock out Foreman in the eighth round. You would think, well, Foreman's career might be over. And well, over the next couple of years, Foreman tried to make a few comebacks, and he fought over the next, after a near-death experience, after a fight with Jimmy Young, where Foreman, midway through the fight, got really exhausted. And after the fight in the locker room, felt like he was dying from a heat stroke. Through this incident, George Foreman gave his life to God and actually became an ordained minister. So you would figure after this, it would be over for George Foreman. But no, he decided to make a comeback in 1987. Ten years after he had retired, he fought for many years. And in 1994, at the age of 45, he got a title shot against Michael Mora. Many people thought that Foreman had no shot in this fight. But as Foreman and Mora fought, Foreman was able to get one shot in and was able to open up a gash above Mora's right chin, up his chin, knocking him out and becoming the heavyweight champion of the world. Foreman later retired in 1996 at the age of 48. You see, Foreman wasn't satisfied with all the past successes that he had in boxing. He wanted to reach that goal. He wanted to reach the pinnacle again to be the champion of the world. And he did. I sometimes think that we are like this when it becomes our relationship with God. We sometimes get to a point where we think we have arrived, we've done it all, and God can teach us nothing else. We think we have it all together because we have done this for so long. This morning, we want to focus on Paul. Here's a man who, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, he says, look, I've done all these things. I have all the accomplishments you could ever dream of, all the accolades, but I count them a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul was not satisfied where he was, and neither should we. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 21. And this is what it says. Not that I have already obtained this, I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think that way, 
And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. This morning we're going to look at five points. And the first point is this, Christ is the standard. Nothing more, nothing less. Not that I have already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. You see, Paul recognized that there was so much more to accomplish in his life. Yes, he had already accomplished a lot on a personal level, but on a spiritual level, he has not accomplished everything because it's not possible to ever accomplish everything in our spiritual life. You see, some of us this morning, frankly, have stopped growing because we think that we have arrived. Or at least we think we're doing other, better than others around us. You see, sometimes we look at the person next to us in the pew and say, I'm better than that person. But we have to understand that the person next to us in the pew is not the standard. Christ is the standard. Christ is the one that we are striving to be like. Christ is who we are want to be, and this is who we are striving every single day of our lives. Not just here on a Sunday, but as we go out our daily walk with Christ, we are striving to be like him, and we are to point others to Christ in whatever we do. You see, John Piper says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me this his own. I don't coast. I don't drift. Christ is too precious for that. I press on. I strive. I reach. I long. I ache. I yearn to obtain the fullness and perfection of the presence of Jesus. Why? Because I don't know if I am his? No. Because he has already made me his own. I reach for him because I am held by him. I press into him because he has enclosed me with unbreakable bands of love. This is what it means to treasure Christ together. And we help each other press in this way with this assurance. End of quote. You see, we aren't to coast in the Christian walk. We aren't to just say, well, you know what? I'm going to do my quiet time or my devotions if I feel like it. Because you know what the, the, the reality is? Sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. But when you have a love for Christ, this is what helps you to want to do it and pursue it. It shouldn't be a task or a duty. It should be we want to spend time with Christ and his word and to grow. You see, the tendency for most of us is when we slip up, we continue to slide and fall deeper and deeper. Well, you know what? I really messed up today. So, you know what? I'm not going to do my devotions today. I'm not going to spend that time with God today. I'm going to spend it tomorrow. And that keeps on getting pushed back tomorrow. Keeps pushing ahead. And we end up slipping up so much 
that we kind of get comfortable in our walk with Christ. And this is why Paul continues on this chapter. As we think of the second point, he says this, don't, don't live in past successes, but focus on the best that you can be for Christ right now. Don't focus on what you've already done, but focus on what you can do for Christ right now. Verse 13 said, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I did was forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You see, Paul isn't satisfied with where he is at. He realized that he still has work to do. Again, this verse tells that we must not forget the past, that we must forget the past and focus on what lies ahead. And when we think of this, we could think of a runner for a second. And we could think as the runner, except Usain Bolt, but we could think of every other runner who can just focus and look forward and run because we know if they look behind, they're going to trip up because we get too distracted by everything else. You see, we need to be like a runner and we need to focus on Christ alone and focus and have that vision and look totally to him because that is the finish line. That is who we are trying to be like. That is where we're striving to go. You see, so many times we like to use this verse to talk about someone forgetting their past failures. But let's not forget our past successes and recognize that we can't live on those, but we must focus on developing new goals, develop more in our relationship with God. You see, John Piper says, stand in front of the mirror of the word and recognize that you have not yet arrived. The hearty admission of our spiritual imperfection is the starting point for the pursuit of God. End of quote. You see, this is my mirror. This is what I look at. This is me. And when I look at God's word, I see how desperately wicked Nicholas truly is. And that should be for every one of us as a believer. Because we should see how wicked we are when we look at God's word. Because the reality is that we don't live up sometimes to this standard. We do things on our own. We fall short. You see, Calvary Bible Church has a, a rich history. Been around for over 50 years. You know, we've done great things. But Calvary Bible Church shouldn't be satisfied where they are right now or where they've been. We need to look at a church, as a, us as a church, and say, God, where do you want Calvary Bible Church to go? And what would you want us to do in our community? What would you want us to do to reach the loss? You see, we can't live on the past successes that we may have had. But we have to look at right now and say, God, what do you want Calvary Bible Church to be? Because that is what God is saying to each one of us. And I think that this is the problem in the universal church. We must pass on from generation to generation the knowledge and the history. Which brings us to the third point. Focus on the prize, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 14 says, I press on to what the goal for the prize and upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. 
again, here again, we see Paul is talking about running a race. And we must recognize that this race we are running is not a sprint, but it's in a marathon. It's a marathon. We can't just say, well, it's finished. It's a marathon. And if you know anything about a marathon, and if I've always said I wanted to run a marathon, and I haven't done it yet, and I don't know when I'll do that, but I've always said I want to run a marathon. But I can tell you something about every marathon runner. The goal is to what? Reach the finish line. And for some of them, they could care less of what the time was. They just want to reach the finish line. And I think as it comes to our Christian life, we need to understand that, you know what? We want to reach the finish line whenever God calls us home, and we want him to say, good, faithful, well done, servant. We want to say, everything you have done for me has bring honor and glory to my name. Nothing of me. Well done, faithful servant. Because you, run, you ran the race with endurance. You didn't allow things that tripped you up, that entangled you. You didn't allow it to take your focus off of me, but you continued to pursue me even in those times. A.W. Tozer says this, in the church today, everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ. This term is not found in the Bible. And we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation to God to our souls. Christ can be received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, but he is not hungry nor thirsty after God. In fact, he is taught to be satisfied and encouraged to be content with little. We have been snared in the coils of a logic which insists that if we found him, we need no more to seek him. But come near to the holy men and women of the past and you will feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and they wrestled and sought him day and night in season and out of season. You see, it's not about one initial act when we came to know Christ as Savior. But when we come to know Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, it's a life that we are living. And it's not over till he calls us home. This verse can be written like this. Believers are to have the attitude of pursuing the prize of Christ's likeness. Christ's likeness is always the goal. Every day we are to become more like him. You see, growing up, there was always a nice Gatorade commercial that had a catchy tune. And it said, if I could be like Mike. But you know what? We shouldn't want to be like Mike. You shouldn't want to be like LeBron or Kobe but you should want to be like Christ because that is who we represent. That is who we are to imitate. That is who we are to look like. We must remember that this life that we now live is not our own, but it belongs to the one who paid the price of death on the cross for us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
You see, when we came to know Christ as our Lord, personal Savior, we said to God, you know what? This is for you. This life is yours. I no longer live. Nicholas no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. What about you? What about me? What are people saying about you and me when they see us outside these four walls? Are they seeing Christ? Are they seeing a person that if they didn't know Christ, they would be able to look at us and say, hmm, that person has something different. Or what they say, we're just fitting in like everyone else. And we're doing the same thing that the whole world is doing. Which brings us to the fourth point. Live a life that is worth imitating. I'm sure at some point in your life, you have played that whole copycat game with your kid, or have you seen someone play that copycat game, and that game, that game can get pretty annoying at times. Because they're imitating everything you do. What you say, what action you make, it can get pretty annoying. But as we look at verse 17, this is what it says. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Can you imagine telling someone to imitate you? Paul was willing to tell them to follow his example. He was willing to say, you know what? Follow me. And we see in verse, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Are we willing to say that? Am I willing to put myself out there like that and say, follow me as I pursue Christ because you will see Christ in my life? Or would they see a bad example? Would they see someone who they would not want nothing to do with because I call myself a Christian? And we know. We see it as we go out in our workplace. We see it as we are in school, the grocery store, restaurant. We know that right now, the whole world, all of us are short of patience when it comes to this pandemic. And you know what this pandemic has done to some of us? It's brought the worst out of us. And I'll be honest, we're all tired of it. We would love for life to be normal. But God has us right where we are right now for a reason. And he has you where you are. As you think of your life and you think of, again, those around you, what would they say about you? Would they say that you are pursuing Christ? Would they say that you are an example of Christ? Well, would they have a lot of question marks about who is this Christ that you talk about? Why would I want anything to do with him? Because you're no different than me. Verse 18 says this, and 19 says, For many of whom I have often told you, now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, and their God is their belly, and their glory is the shame with minds set on earthly things. I hope that this would not be said of anyone here that our minds are set on earthly things. Because let's be honest, we know earthly things will pass away. They will fade away. They only bring satisfaction for a while, but they grow old. 
We always want something new. But when it comes to Christ, he is sufficient. He is enough for us that we should need nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less, because he is enough. I ask you, is he enough in your life? Is he enough to pursue with everything that you have, everything that who you are? Which brings us to our final point. Remember that your citizenship is in heaven. Verse 20 and 21 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is a reminder for all of us this morning. No matter what passport you hold, no matter where you live, that you are a citizen of heaven if you call Christ your savior. We're just passing through this place. And I can tell you, thank the Lord they're saying all of this. Because if this is all it is, we in bad shape. Because as I said, we look at the things around us and we turn on the news and if we look at that, we're like, wow, it's depressing. But I can tell you one thing, the only thing for me, and I'm sure a lot of us is this, is that we know that we have a living hope in Christ and that it helps us to get through what we're going through right now. But the truth of the matter is, as a born-again believer, we have the hope. But the question is, are we living that? Are we showing that to those around us? Are we telling them, you know what? I can handle this pandemic because I have my citizenship in heaven. And I know that this isn't all it is. We are to live as heaven citizens, pursuing Christ-likeness. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 12 says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, as exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that they, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on a day of visitation. You see, Peter makes it clear that once we were not God's people, but now we are. And now because we are, we are to conduct ourselves in a different way. I ask you, I challenge you. Where are you in your relationship with Christ? When you can remember the time for placing your faith in Christ, how much have you grown since that time? Or are you still in that same place? You see, we are to pursue Christ with everything. We are to be different in the world. We are living in this world, but we are to be different. Because the world needs hope. And the hope comes from the message. And the hope comes through us on a daily basis for those around us. 
You see, one thing we must remember is this, that no matter what happens, we worship a God who promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. And when we slip up, we have a God who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so because of that, we know that we can continue to pursue Christ. We know that we may trip up. But we have to understand one thing. The race don't depend on me and you. It depends on him who is holding us. And that's the hope that we have. But we must live a life and remember that we need to keep short accounts with him and confess our sins and tell him, Lord, help me to live this life and bring honor and glory to your name. Because I can't do it on my own. I need him. Because you know what happens? Nicholas wants to show up a lot of times. But I must let Christ shine through me. You see, many people may tell me that I look like my dad. I might walk like my dad. I do many things like my dad. But let me say this. What I want people to say is this. That I look like my heavenly father. I walk like my heavenly father. And I do as my heavenly father. Because at the end of the day, that is what is eternal. That is who I'm trying to be like. I'm trying to pursue. And I hope that can be said of each one of us this morning. That we are truly pursuing Christ with everything. So how do we apply this? Well, the first thing is we have to understand that sanctification is a process that is always ongoing, so we should never feel like we have arrived at a place of comfort. You see, we should never feel comfortable in our relationship with Christ because that's what the devil wants. He wants us to feel comfortable. That's when he wants to attack us. We must understand that we are in a process. Number two, Christ-likeness is perfection, so continue to strive to be like Christ every day. Remember this, you can never reach perfect status. You can never reach to the point of saying, well, I'm like Christ, I have everything together. No, we have to continue to pursue him. And the last thing is this. Be heavenly citizens. Live a life that is worth imitating. Live a life that is worth imitating. Live a life that people can say, hey, I see Christ in you. I see something different in you. And when they say they see something different, you can say, that is true. I'm different because I have a relationship with Christ. And I have a hope that I don't look at my circumstances, but I have a hope in him. And because of this, I can pursue him with everything. And no, my life is not perfect. I will fall. I will trip. But I have a God that holds me. And is there with me no matter what. Because the relationship doesn't depend solely on me. I have a God that's holding me. And what a promise that is. Because I could tell you, and I'm sure we all could say it, we fail him all the time. But thank God. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And even no matter what we are going through this morning, I would encourage you, remember you are a heavenly citizen. Pursue him with all that you have, all that you are, and that people will look at your life and say, 
that is truly a Christ follower. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we know that the Christian life is not just an event, but it's truly a race, truly a marathon, truly a process. And Father, none of us have it all together. Whether we believe it or not, we all have room and improvement. We all have room for growth. We all have room that, Father, we can spend more time with you. We can do more things for you. Father, I pray that for all of us, that we would recognize that we are truly citizens of yours. For, those, for us who know you as our Lord and personal Savior. And Father, for those who are in this service who don't know you, that they would be able to look at us and see a difference in us because of you. And not just here on a Sunday, but that we would have an attitude of worship in everything that we do. That people will truly see us, see you in us. Father, I again pray that you would encourage all of us. Father, that you would help us to know that we have a living hope in you. Father, whatever it is we're going through right now, Father, I pray that we would spend time with you in prayer, that we would not be satisfied where we are, but that we would truly spend time just talking to you, crying out to you, whatever it may be that we're going through. And Father, I pray that you would get all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.